Okay, I think that we're uh, back in business. It looks like I'm seeing signs now that we're live, and I, I hope that that's the case. So I hope that you're watching. Hope that this is uh, recording and then uh, and that the video is going out. It's a little bit uh, it's a little bit patchy it seems, and I'm not sure why that is since I'm not doing anything differently than I typically do. But uh, we'll we'll keep going with this, and hopefully it's going to stick around. Uh, Bill Allen here from West Irwin Church of Christ. I know that we're continuing to be mindful and prayerful for our friends and. Uh, uh, fellow people of faith in Ukraine and in Russia and in the surrounding nations. Uh, our hearts go out to them and we pray that they will be uh, safe and that God will act in whatever way he chooses to bring about his will. And we know that that will, will include uh, the safety and the lives being spared of, of so many innocent people. We hope and pray that um, that that will happen soon. Um, I'm glad to be with you. We are in the midst of <laughs> uh, the section on the laws of Moses, as you know, and we've been working through that. Good news, though, next week we finally get to Joshua uh, and the conquering of the land. That'll be a tough read as well with all of the bloodshed, but it'll be a little bit of a different push than what we're reading about uh, this week in the laws of Moses. Uh, there are lots of important things that we find here, important things for the individuals, for families, and for the community. Remember, as we've said before, uh, the people of Israel at this time, they, it is a theocracy. That means that uh, their governing documents are basically the word of God, and that's what they are inclined to uh, use as their authority, not just for their own personal lives, but also for the, the civil law. And so we're reading about that this week and a few days next week before we get into uh, Joshua and the conquering of the land. Uh, that section begins on Monday. But as we've been reading through this, a few things of great importance today, I want us to end with a passage from Isaiah chapter six. We're not there yet, but I hope that you've thought about that and a few other passages as we've gone through uh, this study this week and last week and a few days next week. The laws of Moses are, um, uh, they encompass everything. And that's certainly clear from what you've been reading this week. I wanna begin with the comments that we've been reading about sexual morality. Moses and the law have some very specific things to say about that. And that's always been something that's been significant for God. It's instituted between a male and a female, a man and a woman. And the vision of God is that it will be a lifetime commitment. Uh, let no man put asunder those words of Genesis read. And, um, and so we, uh, we maintain that even still today. And in the laws of Moses, we see that uh, reinforced in a very strong, strong way. Um, as the law talks about uh, the sins of adultery, where a husband or wife cheats on their spouse, uh, the sin of homosexuality, in spite of what the culture says about both of those, uh, the freedom of sexual immorality, except
throughout Scripture is condemned uh, in the beginning of Genesis as uh, God's plan and God's vision is laid out in the time of Adam and Eve. It's affirmed here in the laws of Moses, and it is affirmed throughout the prophets. It is once again affirmed in the New Testament, in the letters, uh, the epistles that we read about. Sin of homosexuality is condemned, and even Jesus in the Gospels speaks out against homosexuality by affirming the uh, covenant that God would place a male and a female, a man and a woman, into uh, based on those texts and readings from the early chapters of the book of Genesis. Jesus himself affirmed that. So it's a very consistent view in spite of what our culture might uh, say and try to convince us of. Uh, it's still condemned in Scripture. Uh, the idea of divorce is First Corinthians seven, and in all of those uh, passages, we find that acknowledgement that God's vision is for a man and a woman to be married for life and committed to each other and to the Lord as a sacred covenant, but. The reality is that just doesn't always happen. And when it does uh, fall apart, Moses gives some instructions about certificates for divorce. Jesus affirms the very high standard that God has for his vision of marriage. BC. And so it was a different world. There were a lot of cultural things that took advantage of, of women and others in society. That call for marriage to be between a male and a female for life is something that is consistent, whatever the culture. That is based on uh, God's plan uh, as seen in the Garden of Eden and his institution of holy matrimony. But we realize that because of sin, there could be some women who would be left out of society because their husband divorced them and they would have no, no uh, possibility of support. The laws of Moses consider that and that's why we see those uh, certificates there. Sexual morality is always significant and we read that in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. It says marriage should be honored by all marriage bed, the sexual relationship, should be kept pure. It is pure, and it should be kept pure, Hebrews 13, verse 4 says. And in the midst of a similar discussion in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says this, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit that we have within us, and therefore we are not our own. And so we should honor and glorify God, even with our physical bodies, by being obedient to Him. as it was in Jesus' day, as it was in Moses' day. Well, as we continue reading through this week, we realize that there's a, there are a lot of, of laws and instructions about health and diet and uh, ceremonial cleanness versus uncleanness. We read that a lot. There's a lot written in here about the land. Uh, the sabbatical year, the seventh year, 
uh, they were told don't don't plant anything because the land needs rest and uh, people need to be able to harvest what they can that might be poor or that might be immigrants. And the promise of God is uh, is there as well. God says, don't worry about it. I'll give you so much that sixth year that you'll be able to eat for three years. Just like with the manna in the wilderness when uh, they were told it for them as well. And then in addition to that sabbatical year, the seventh year, there was a year of Jubilee every 50 years. And that was a special thing as well. And we see a lot of instructions and laws written about that. Throughout this section, we're, we're reminded of God's concern for the poor. Uh, we're reminded of God's concern for those who are in debt and the forgiveness of debts in that seventh year, the sabbatical year, the promise of blessing and the laws that go along uh, with that. And again, we have to, as we read these laws and as we'll read these laws about uh, ceremonial cleanness and health issues, we have to remember, again, these are written 34, 3,500 um, years ago in the time of Moses, and yet it is a very advanced a uh, code of law, certainly for the time, but even today we see uh, some things that we relate to as well. For example, the skin diseases, leprosy, others. Uh, there are things in the law written about that to keep individuals and the community safe. And as we are going through hopefully the end of this two-year pandemic, uh, we're reminded of the concern there. And it was a concern in Moses' day as well. And God spoke uh, to that. He was concerned also. We see the safety of the community as something very, very important and uh, significant. Uh, for example, they were uh, called upon to go to the priest and to have the priest examine any sores that they would have or boils or skin disease, burns because the priest would be able to take a look at that and decide if it was contagious or not. And if it was something that they needed to isolate themselves uh, uh, for a little while longer uh, or not. Even mold in homes is addressed in this reading. You think there's just nothing that God left out. Um, and that is certainly uh, true. Even baldness, that's right, baldness. Uh, God affirms in Leviticus 13 that baldness is not a disease. But if there are sores on your head, just as there are sores anywhere, then that is a concern. Thankfully, Bill seems to be doing okay, even though um, the lack of hair on the top is, is pretty significant. But I'm glad to know that God doesn't hold that against me, nor should you. <laughs> nor should you. Uh, what a blessing. What a blessing. And then there's other passages that talk about things that are um, kind of interesting. Joyce and, and I have a favorite story from uh, our daughters growing up. They were both very active in the youth group. And one year, uh, one of them decided that uh, she would get another piercing without our uh, permission. And it just so happens that there's a song out, a youth song, called Pierce My Ear. And interestingly enough, 
um, because we were hosting a devotional and our daughters were there and our youth minister because he's such a great dear friend of ours. Um, he led that song and we had noticed that, that she had gotten another piercing and um, passages in Deuteronomy 15 and Exodus 21 that talk about a servant, a slave who is freed and yet he decides uh, that um, he wants to stay. He wants to stay. He wants to make this a lifetime commitment. And uh, as part of the indication of that, as part of the covenant agreement, that they would have their ear uh, pierced. And, um, and so that's an interesting uh, passage uh, there that talks about that commitment that they make. Uh, modern day piercings don't share that same commitment. It's a whole different thing. I uh, gotta tell you, I'm not gonna get an ear pierced and, or anything else pierced, by the way, and not gonna get a tattoo. I've lasted this long. And nope, uh, not for me, sorry. Uh, as my body gets older and tends to fall apart, I'm not going to help it along. That, that's just my philosophy. Uh, you choose to do that, up to you, won't hold it against you. But all I can say is, uh, no thanks, no thanks. And then there's uh, the passage about leveret marriages where uh, a, a relative, a younger brother perhaps, of a, an individual who dies before having children, uh, they they uh, have children, a child for that older brother's um, inheritance and line. It's something that is uh, we would not think of as being essential and necessary. Certainly not required today, but it is something that is um, is significant. And it, and if someone chooses to uh, uh, go get away from that and to uh, uh, relinquish their right and responsibility then there was this taking off of the sandal thing that we read about uh, in Deuteronomy, um, uh, well, in the Leverett Marriages, uh, Leverett Marriage passages. And, and it reminds us of a story that happens later in Scripture. It's the story of Ruth. Remember that story of Ruth and Boaz, a wonderful story. Read the book of Ruth. It's only four chapters. It is amazing. It's just wonderful. And that love story be my God. Well, that's taken from the book of Ruth. That's taken uh, from the book of Ruth, but it's not written for Boaz. Actually, she's telling her mother-in-law that, Naomi, who had lost her husband, lost her two sons, one of whom was the husband of Ruth, and Ruth stuck with her and went back home with her. Wonderful, wonderful story. And then we find them being supported by Boaz. And Boaz is much uh, is very willing to marry Ruth and take care of her and her mother-in-law, Naomi. But there is a, re a relative that's closer than he is in line uh, to uh, Naomi's uh, late husband. And so meets gate and says, hey, do you want to, uh, to inherit after this uh, after this man? Yeah, sure. He says, I'll do it. And he says, well, if you're going to do that, then you must marry Ruth because that line needs to continue on. 
And he says, well, no, I don't think so. And so that's when they pass that sandal around. And Boaz is the one who is able to marry uh, Ruth and, and becomes an ancestor, not only of King David, but of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It is such an incredible, incredible story. But it goes back to these stories in the Old Testament law, in the laws of Moses. So I hope, as always, as I like to say, when you read your Bible, read it with your eyes open uh, and your mind engaged because you'll put some things together. One of the great things, I think, about reading through the whole Bible in a year is that you get some of those connections. You read something and it jogs your memory and you think, wait a minute, I, I think there's something in the Gospels about that. I, I think there's something that is reflected in the Psalms. And one more before we close today. And it's uh, it goes back to some of those laws about ceremonial cleanness and uncleanness, and specifically uh, the laws about uh, skin diseases, including leprosy. If a person had an unclean disease and they were declared that and it was contagious, then they were told in our readings this week, they were told to cover up their uh, face and to keep their distance, socially distancing. And before someone became too close, they would raise their hand and they would say, unclean, unclean. And it was an indication that they, they were unclean and unhealthy and didn't want to uh, cause the other person to become that as well. Well, there's an interesting story, as I said, in Isaiah chapter six, that Isaiah sees this, but in a spiritual sense. And so I want to read a few verses from Isaiah 6, starting in verse 1. In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, or angels, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, verse 5, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. When Isaiah saw the Lord, Yahweh, that sacred name for God, when he saw the Lord seated on the throne in the same year that his king in Jerusalem died, Isaiah realized once again that it was God who was truly on the throne and that our God is a holy God, an, an incredible God, a God of majesty, a God of awe, a God to be reverent. we have read this week about leprosy. 
what Isaiah says is, I am a man of unclean lips, just as the leper had to hold their hand over their mouths. And I live among a people of unclean lips. Isaiah said, when you compare us to the holy God, we are lepers. We are lepers. We are unclean. And Isaiah said, I am worthy of death. I am worthy of death because I've seen this vision of the Lord. Yet the Lord was merciful because that's what he is. He's gracious and merciful towards us. And he gets a, one of the angels and he takes one of the tongs from the altar and he burns leprosy away. He burns away the uncleanness that not only Isaiah felt because of his sin, but that we feel because of our sins. And we have the saving power of For us, Isaiah's hand shoots up and he says, I'll go. Here am I, send me. And in the same way, really even more so, we should be willing to lift our hands up and say, here I am, God. I can't believe that you have cleansed me from my uncleanness. I can't believe that you have healed me of my leprosy. I can't believe that you have forgiven me of my sins. And I will go and share that message wherever you want, however you want. Here am I, send me. I hope as we continue reading through these laws that you'll find that message of God, the holy God who is trying to convince his people that we should be holy just as the Lord, our God, is holy. May God continue to be with the people of Ukraine and Russia and the leaders all around the world uh, to bring peace to that land and safety for those we love and for all that are there. And may God continue to use us as he gives us that forgiveness and calls us to share that message with others. I'll see you on Tuesday.